Blog Talk Radio. Frights of the Roundtable. I'm your host, Jonathan Moody, and tonight uh, we have also my uh, guest, uh, my special guest co-host, um, who's been on the show for a while now with us, uh, Laura Jean Mamere. How you doing, Laura? Hey, how are you? I'm so glad to be here. It's going to be a good show tonight. Oh, it, it will be, definitely. And so I, before I introduce these guys, I wanted to kind of remind everybody, this month is basically a whole full moon month, all the way up to the last uh, last day, which will be April second, uh, you know, April second, two thousand, you know, this year, we're going to be doing a um, full moon month. So we'll be talking with a bunch of people from full moon um, and other people as well. But uh, this tonight we have a double treat because we have two guys who worked on uh, Puppet Master movies uh, separately. Um, and uh, first, I'll introduce uh, uh, C. Courtney Joyner. How you doing, uh, Courtney? Hey. I'm rocking. Yeah, I don't know how. Yes, we will do our best to make this the the great full moon show that you've advertised. <laughs> we'll we'll try. We'll yeah, yeah. we'll all do our best. Um, <laughs> and then we also have a special guest who uh, who got in touch with me today about everything, and he's super excited to come on. Jeff Burr, how are you doing, Jeff? I, I am good, and I just want everyone to know that I am uh, just like I piggyback on Courtney Joyner and Dave Dakota for Puppet Master 4 and 5. I'm piggyback on his uh, podcast tonight. So uh, <laughs> the history is repeating itself. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> well, uh now you guys have worked together, uh, so let's start. Let's start with that because you guys did from a whisper to a scream, aka the offspring. Um, you know, no, that was one of the first projects, that right? That you guys, screen, please. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's let's talk about that. Uh, how was it uh, to work on that project? I guess uh, Courtney, uh, can you give us a little bit of information first on how it got started? Well, you know, the thing is, we. Jeff and I have talked about the movie, obviously, quite a bit. And there was that fantastic Blu-ray release. But the missing, you know, portion of that, John, is that Jeff and I have been friends since college. That's how the movie started. Yeah, exactly. That's really it. So, exactly you know, right. it goes way before Whisper to a Scream. So, yeah, it wasn't like we just ran into each other and said, oh, my, let's do an anthology, uh, Stranger. This was... <laughs> <laughs> we were living together in the same house, and we'd been working on projects together and everything else. And then uh, uh, Jeff, we just decided to do an anthology movie, and Jeff and his brother Bill and Darren Scott, and we were we were all together in the same home. And yeah, no, that's really where it was a homegrown. It was a total homegrown absolutely. effort. Truly, truly. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Definitely. So um, it's like, you and, know, and, and, breakfast and, and, counted and, and, a great, well, lunch counted a great deal in the planning. Of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and and the other thing was, it, 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 as Courtney said, we were friends. And, I mean, Courtney showed me the first the first time I ever saw a Straw Dogs, a movie that, that, I, that I loved. 
uh, Courtney showed that to me for the first time in the basement of a dormitory on Super 8, uh, you, know, you know, in 1980 probably. You know, so, so, so we oh, go wow. way, way, way back. And, Jeff, I actually found that print about a week ago. <laughs> really, yeah, it's right here on my shelf right now. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I just vividly remember that, you know. And uh, oh man, you guys should have a reunion. And, 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 uh, and we truly, and we, and we truly bonded. We truly bonded over this this other thing that happened that Courtney was responsible for. Is when <laughs> Sam Peck, when Sam Peckinpah came down to USC for a, a small little Western class. And um, and introduced the film and hung out there with Warren Oates. Uh, as they were driving wow. back, Courtney was in Courtney was in the vehicle with him, and I was walking back to my dorm. And, and they said, "Hey, you were at the screening, right? Come over and uh, and then hang out with us over at uh, at this bar." And so I, I so really because of Courtney, I got to hang out with Sam Peckinpah and uh, Warren Oates one night in, in a uh, very intimate setting. Uh, when when Sam was was really on his uh, on the downward spiral and before he did Osterman, and, and it was just a, oh, wow. it was just a it was a it was a if, if there is such a thing as a magical night that certainly was it. So, oh, that's, well, that's and, and totally and totally and totally inspirational to me personally, you know. And you know, John, that's the thing too. When Jeff and I were at USC, and thank you Jeff, very much for that, we were able to participate in a lot of things like that. We had a we did a tribute to Don Siegel that I, we helped out on, and Clint Eastwood came, and you know all these people, and that was actually how we originally encountered Clue Gulliger. So you know, we were kind of right in the center of all of that if you will, meeting our heroes and kind of being inspired and what have you uh, during our college years. And then it just all, that was the friendship and the basis, and it all grew out of that. And suddenly, we, you know, we tried to make a, a movie together. And we, Jeff and I had tried to do something else before Whisper to a Scream, and exactly, we couldn't get that exactly. going. Yeah. We so. came close a couple times because of, of Eli Johnson, I remember. She, she, she That's right. got us somewhat close. But uh, yeah, we we had written this other thing, and and, uh, and it would have been a fun kind of antidote to uh, Chud yep. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, that script that. is the reason I got hired to write Prison because I use that script as my writing sample. As a writing sample, gotcha, gotcha, yep. and uh, and that's and that's the other thing. Also, you mentioned Full Moon. We're both Full Moon veterans. Uh, Courtney is an Empire veteran as well, and I'm somewhat of an I'm a half-assed Empire veteran because <laughs> I, I, I I was hired to do a movie that never got made there. Which one was that? A movie called The Fault, um, and, and we were in pre-production forever, and, and we started casting it, and so it got it got pretty close. Uh, but it was like one of those things where it was like the perfectly wrong time to to be there, and you can just feel the company collapsing around yeah. you, you know. Yeah. Well, that happens a lot, too, in the independent industry. Oh, sure. You know, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. We just have to have good spirit and kind of like, okay, well, let's move on and make something even better. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but see, when you're that young, at least back then, uh, it, it, it was a little more, you took it a little more hard and, you know, and yeah. stupidly, you know, and it was, it was, it was more... Uh, the stakes in your mind, anyway, were much higher and... and uh, right. You know, but but uh, but you're right. I mean, that's exactly the attitude to take for sure. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah. especially with an executive producer like Charlie Bid. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, now, I, I want to, okay, so uh, ask you guys individually, because you guys both worked on Puppet Master movies, um, mm. and so I have to no, bring I would that say, up. Though, I would say, I would, amend, I would amend that. Courtney worked on the Puppet Master movie. Well, <laughs> well, Puppet Master I, I mean, that's sincerely. And every, I've well, many many people, you know, many as people a matter of fact, just to add a little weird, even more weirdness to this conversation, I went on to uh, the Amazon Full Moon channel, and I actually am, I have not watched seen Puppet Master 3 since we did the Blu-ray transfer, and I've got it on behind me with the sound turned off, and I just watched Walter Gotell and a bunch of topless uh, girls in a Berlin brothel. So that's what's I'm going there. on here. I'm there. <laughs> I'm there right now. And now it's uh, Ian Abercrombie, uh, yes, at Universal. <laughs> well, uh, what was it? Kind of just a giant metal tub, and he just kind of was sitting in it. Yep. <laughs> Good Lord, Laura, all, all you care about is hot tubs right now. Are you in a hot tub yet? Are you? You were talking I, about I doing that last week. I was gonna try to make it happen tonight, and I didn't make it happen. But I'm gonna make it happen one day on our live show. We do a live show one day. I'm gonna sit in a hot tub and do an interview while I'm sitting in the hot tub. That's my goal. <laughs> Call us back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, that, that could have been tonight. I mean. <laughs> we all need to do a hot tub party with everyone we've had on the show. That would just be amazing. we just make it one big show. It'd be great. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a pretty damn huge show, and that would be awesome. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, so um, I, I got to ask this. Uh, so what was it like, you know, because you – it seemed from the commentary on uh, Puppet Master Three that you you and um, David Dakota had a, a pretty good relationship. Um, oh yeah. Was that like like is it easier? Do you think as a writer to have that kind of like camaraderie with the director? Like you've worked with Jeff and you're good friends. You worked with uh, you know you've worked with David David and it seems you guys got along real well. Like what? Is it harder when you aren't friends with the, you know, like when you're not close with the uh, director? Well, I think I've been pretty lucky in, in that overall. I mean, either a lot of the work I've done or the movies I've had made were either with people that I knew previously, so mm-hmm. you're kind of over that hurdle anyway, or else I developed, I think, a good relationship with them, like, say, somebody like Mark Lester. I mean, I would certainly say I'm friends with Mark Lester, but, you know, although I did stay live in his house for a little while. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a big difference between that and lifelong friends like, like Jeff. And that's uh, – but, it you know, it makes it very easy. And also, too, Full Moon at that time, there was it was a pretty informal place in a lot of ways. I mean, you were uh, – Albert Band was always around, and Charlie was very easy to talk to. And it was, it was certainly an assembly line. But it was, I, I think, a very relaxed one in a lot of ways, and you could get opportunities like I did finally to direct and that type of stuff. And uh, it was a very, you know, friendly, congenial atmosphere. And again, Jeff and I both ended up at Full Moon after stints at Empire, so we weren't going into, you know, a strange production company with people we didn't know. Right, mm-hmm. right. Definitely. Um, how about you, Jeff? Like, my, my question about... Uh, you know, Puppet Master 4 and 5, you know, where did, like, 
when did it come to you that you were going to be doing like two puppet master movies back to back? And here's that. Well, number one, they weren't back to back. They were simultaneous. So really, it was like yeah. doing one movie, one giant, you know, giant for them uh, movie. Right. So, um, so it wasn't like we did Puppet Master Four and then started shooting Puppet Master Five. We like every day you would shoot scenes from Puppet Master Four and Puppet Master Five. So, mm-hmm. it, so it was simultaneous. So, so it was a on some level a challenge in in that regard. But, but you know, it was just, it was just like like any movie, except it's it's exacerbated at full moon. Uh, you're you're fighting the schedule and you're fighting the budget, you know, as a director, right. and because you you have ambition, and you have uh, you know the movie in your head, and you're trying to get that on screen, but <clears throat> the the double demons of uh, budget and uh, schedule always conspire to uh, con- to make you compromise on some level. But at the, at the but those movies particularly were. Uh, under budgeted and um so so you know it, it, all we all we could do because it, it was so ill conceived because it was originally going to be a theatrical movie and a high, much higher budget and then Charlie couldn't make that happen at Paramount so we decided to take that script and kind of cut it in half and then expand both halves a little bit and uh to make it two movies uh, direct to video so it was. Uh, I mean, I mean, it was an incredibly ill-conceived project to begin with on a script level, but mm-hmm. uh, so so all you could do is really make it as as energetic and as fun as possible. And and I was very lucky. I feel very honored to to have worked with David Allen um, and and Chris Endicott, his his assistant then, because I was a huge fan of Dave's, and and just like Courtney, we're we've always been huge fans. I think any filmmaker of our generation. Is fan have been fans of stop motion animation. There's some magic to that, you know. It's some, oh, for some sure. fantasy magic to that, and to, to be yeah. able to work with Dave Allen, who who did a movie called Equinox, which I, I've always loved, um, and many, many, many others. Um, if that was that was a, a joy and a uh, you know not 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 like you felt oh I've made it. It was more like. Wow, I mean, I, I remember seeing this guy's film when I was ten, and now I'm professionally working with him. You know, years and years later. So, yeah. mm-hmm. so that's those, those kind of things are for me are always meaningful, and and with actors too, uh, to be able to work yeah. with Ian Ogilvy and and uh, Felton Perry and, and Ron O'Neill and Diane McBain and people like that in the in the on those movies, it, it was just a joy to me, just because I'd yeah. grown up loving their work, and you know, so so so. There's a lot of uh, painful stuff with the movie, but that goes with the territory, especially on a low budget, on a low budget with a low budget company. But uh, it was it was totally joyful uh, making the movie because of the actors. Yeah, that's so great. And I include, and I include Pinhead and uh, you know Totem and et cetera, et cetera in that uh, category. Because yeah. the puppeteers, the puppeteers were amazing. And they they truly were uh, actors, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what's so hard to stop animation. You have to you have to know where they're going. What what will the audience be interested in when it comes to the movement of those characters? So you not only have to know um, what you're doing, you have to put that into the character itself and have that read through the camera. And that's sure, and, and, that, and that's one of the, and that's one of the issues I always had with the movies. Is yeah. On some level, they were kind of marketed as kids' movies, 
but they yeah. were almost invariably R-rated. You know, right. so so so, <laughs> so then I I, I kind of wanted to push it more to the R-rated category, but yeah. there but Charlie's taste really is 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 pretty mainstream and uh, in terms of uh, you know in terms of real taste. I mean, he's like very bland, if if if, if you will, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reanimator. Um, no. I mean, in other words, Reanimator. Some of the, some of the movies that you might remember that they Empire did. Uh, they were Reanimator was not really a Charlie Band movie, you know. Even though he he, he finished it, you know, yeah. he didn't initiate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reanimator was. Uh, I mean, yeah, like a lot of the stuff he did because he knew that it would, um, you know, basically sell. You know, right. and stuff like right. that. I mean, so, his, his so relationship movie... with Stuart Gordon was it, it, it didn't start out as an empire relationship. You know what I mean? And, right. But then, because it was so right. successful, then he encouraged Stuart Gordon to do so. But that's a very atypical uh, uh, Charlie Band uh, director. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 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 Right, and 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 that that actually goes into my next question because I I do want to. I just rewatched Lurking Fear um, the other day. Uh-oh. And, uh oh, no, very, uh, very underrated movie. <laughs> uh, yes, and I I agree. It is. And it I, really I really is. enjoyed it. Um, I, I re you know I, I hadn't seen it since like a year before. You know, it's been uh, basically a year since I got it on Blu-ray, and um, I absolutely, I still absolutely loved it. You know, and everything. It was what I what I like about it is it was just so. I don't know. It, it, it definitely had like it captured H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, definitely, um, and Good it Lord. felt like I've never been accused yeah, of that just, before. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> but thank you. Your, uh, yeah. Well, what was your uh, opinion on 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 making it, uh, Courtney? Well, it was such a it was a complicated time because I'd done Trancers and everybody was was very pleased with that and. Uh, it seemed to work, and Charlie gave me a very nice boost with it and everything. And Lurking Fear had been, of course, an, an old Stuart Gordon project. And they wanted to, you know, kind of keep the H.P. Lovecraft, you know, public domain stuff in the pipelines as much okay. as they could. And he asked me to do it, and I was very excited. Uh, and my original idea was to do it. Um, a good friend of mine wrote a movie called Of Unknown Origin. Uh, with Peter Weller fighting the rat for the weekend, you know, in his apartment. George Cosmoto's directed. Yeah. And and um, I said, you know, that's really what this is. Because, again, it was a Lovecraft short story, and, you know, those are very, very, they're very spare. And some are very, very, not, I don't want to say thin, but it's, you know, it's a lot of internal dialogue and things that aren't the easiest things to dramatize. So I thought, well, you've got this one guy, he's alone in a house, and he you know, tries to fight these creatures. The problem with that approach was it didn't, there wasn't enough plot to it. So as, you know, I don't know, being lazy or going by my instincts or whatever you want to call it, I decided to add the crime element and all of that stuff and then try and weave the history of the Martens family and all of, you know, that background into this idea of these guys trying to find this buried money inside corpses in uh, this abandoned cemetery that was all, uh, you know, taken from the Lovecraft short story. And it seemed it seemed to work. I was, uh, uh, at least it worked on paper. Um, 
but I've always kind of beaten myself up a little bit. The production was not easy uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, one of which, unfortunately, was my, my lead, uh, and I didn't really get along. And uh, he was a great actor, and I was a huge fan of his, as was Jeff. Um, yeah. But I was, I was, you know, this was my second movie. I was insecure. In my first film, I had, you know, Tim Thomerson as my lead, and Tim is one of my very best friends. And Andy Robinson, who I've known forever, and his wife was my agent. And, you know, I had a lot of support there on on the first, on Trancers 3, and plus I had Albert Band producing it. This yeah. time I was much more on my own, and uh, I was dealing with an actor I didn't know at all. Thank God Jeff Combs was there. My cousin Allison was also in the movie. Uh, and so when I ran into problems with him and we were trying to – it kind of, I think, affected my my concentration, really my ability to do it because I didn't – I was feeling very – I think I was second-guessing myself too much. And uh, so it uh, it turned into kind of an unpleasant experience. I got married while I was there, although later divorced. Anyway. <laughs> there you go. So <laughs> yes, yes, it ended up being positive. She was a very nice girl. Uh, but, 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 um, but you got you got to say Ridley Scott had the same problem. But Jeff can tell you, certainly when dealing with, with kind of a cantankerous person like that, the best, the best way to do it really is to meet them head on with the same kind of strength. And quite honestly, at that time, I didn't have that confidence. So it was, uh, it was very difficult for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, but you had, a, I also, uh, you had one of the better, you had one of the better full moon cast though of that era for sure. I mean, oh yeah, Vincent, no, we you were. Had, you had Vincent Paul Giavelli Manti, was great. He was a great guy. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and I was Ash, just Ashley say, like, that and Ashley, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you have Jeffrey Combs on there, and yeah, exactly, exactly. So good, like just such and a great cast. So you're Jeff so actually was a last minute addition. Um, oh really. I, yeah, Steve Mock was over there doing uh, Trancers 3 and 4 with Tim, the medieval mm-hmm. ones uh, that they did with David Nutter. And right. so we thought, and I'd had Steve in uh, Trancers 3, and he was a great guy. I really liked him a lot. And they said, well, why don't we just carry Steve over to Lurking Fear, and he can play the scientist. So I said, great. And I think he got a television show or something. And then, uh, so Steve couldn't do it, and then Charlie called me and said, well, here's your H.P. Lovecraft present. Uh, Jeff is going to play Dr. Haggis. And that was great, because oh, I think nice. Jeff did a fantastic job. And he is oh, never... Oh, yeah, for sure. Is, isn't he great? And he's never physically looked like that in anything else mm-hmm. he's ever done. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't really look like him in the film. For me, it took me a while, because I know him from stuff now, you know, and it took me a while. I was like, oh, wow, like, it's amazing. Like, he did such a good job, and his character is just phenomenal. He did such a good job molding himself to the character. Oh, he did, and Uh, also, too, I have to give a salute to just one of the greatest guys, uh, Paul Manti. God, he was a nice guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool guy. Oh, wow. Really, really nice guy. And uh, so that was that was great fun. I mean, you know, of course I'm there trying to direct the movie, but in the in the, you know every other take, hey, what was it like on Robinson Crusoe on Mars? Remember that episode of the Rifleman you did? I mean, you know, I was driving everybody crazy. You know. <laughs> that's so uh, great. Well, uh, now now Jeff, I do have to ask you because 
You have worked with uh, other stuff for Full Moon. I have to get these out of the way, too. But you worked with, um, I know you worked on, like, the Moonbeam stuff that they call them now. On the, right, uh, yes, yes, stuff exactly. Like, uh, I, I, did, I did maybe a bridge too far with with, with those movies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, those were, uh, you know, I mean, they, they were, uh, quite honestly, those movies are the ones I did in, in Romania in 96, 97, and 99. Those movies were more, much more Kushner Locke, uh, Peter mm-hmm. Locke, and, and, and his company than they were Full Moon. Um, mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it was just, but but it was hilarious. Uh, not not so funny to me, but but in retrospect, uh, it, it was an era where okay, you would Kushner Locke would give a certain amount of money to Charlie Band. Charlie Band would take a certain amount of money and put it somewhere. Uh, and then he would give the rest of the money to uh, Vlad Panescu at Castell Films in Romania. Then Vlad would then give you, he would take some for himself, and then finally give you the, the budget of the movie, uh, which had nothing <laughs> to do with the original budget that Peter Locke had given. There was a trickle-down effect, uh, a, a trickle-up effect, I guess, in, in, uh, in pocketing um, for all those movies, so so, at the end of the day, you would end up with I don't know maybe sixty percent of what you were supposed to end up with. So that that and that well, always had ramifications, you know. Um, but but those, but they were all kids, quote unquote, kids movies shot in Romania, and and again, the joy that I had there was the meeting some of the Romanian crew, which which I got to be good friends with, like Virel Sergovic, the the director of photography. And uh, and some of the actors you were able to bring over because you could only bring over uh, usually around four. That was like the magic yeah. number. And uh, so so you would have hideously dubbed Romanians doing uh, you know uh, English accents or whatever. And, and so 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 you could definitely they they have an otherworldly quality maybe because it's like you know there's something wrong with them. <laughs> you know you know there's something off, and especially. <laughs> Especially the ones that were supposed to be set in America, uh, because many cities that Bucharest could, could uh, you know, uh, substitute for, but uh, hardly any in America. You know, mm-hmm. so so it was mm-hmm. always, and uh, their cul-de-sac uh, suburban set, the Spielbergian suburban set. Uh, by the time I shot there, it looked like a crack house. You know, mm-hmm. so, so this is supposed to be oh, middle America, suburbia, you know, Spielbergian suburbia, and uh, no, <laughs> so it, all that kind of stuff. And 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 Courtney had it much worse in '94 when he went over there. I first went over there in '96, and it was pretty bad then in terms of mm-hmm. materials being available and and stuff like that. It was still it was still very much. Um, just getting out of the shadow of uh, the Soviet Union and the Cold oh, War, yeah. and uh, so so things that that would be obvious or uh, plentiful in America uh, may not exist over there. You know. Oh wow! I, back I then, now now it's compl- now it's completely different. You know, yeah. but, but back then it was so so. God knows what uh, Ted Nicolau went through doing subspecies in, in oh, yeah. right, right. right after oh, the revolution. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, yeah, we, now, uh, I have to ask, well, real quick, uh, I've got to ask because I'm a huge uh, Werewolf Reborn fan. Like, I saw that uh, hey. recently when I got my full okay, um, <laughs> streaming. 
I, I have a I chain on me, and you're pulling it. I, I, I do no. believe. <laughs> no, but, no, but I love um, Christian <laughs> there, Uncle. There is literally have... no one that 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 is a huge. If I'm not if not misquoting you, a huge Werewolf Reborn fan. I, even even oh, though come on. You know, on a certain level, no, on a certain level, I'm very proud of that uh, movie because because of right. if you own it. That's what I, if I ever write a book about my career, there'll be there'll be a chapter called "If You Only Knew," and that'd be like <laughs> all these production limitations that that I've gone through with some of the movies I've made, and then that was and that was like completely. I mean, it was literally I brought over from America the budget of the movie in cash, stuffed down my pants. Wow! Because you're not because you're not supposed to carry more than. I, I know at the time I think like eight thousand dollars in currency or something, and this was like twenty thousand dollars in U.S. cash, uh, and it, which which was the budget of the movie, and, and it was the only. And the funny thing was, it was the only time that Vlad Panescu, the head of Castell Films, smilingly met me at the airport because <laughs> he knew I had that envelope of dough. Oh my god. <laughs> But but it, 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 was, it, was, it was shot. It was shot, it was shot incredibly quickly, like six and a half days. The, and it was like I, I came in on a Sunday morning, and we started shooting Monday morning, and and oh, wow. and did not. And it was not cast, and the locations had not been found. So it was like uh, you know a, a frenzy of activity, and it was great. And, and, and it was a, it was for me it was a great experience because and Courtney knows this too. Once you do a movie over there at that time. And you got through it, you felt you could do anything. Yeah, because exactly. you, you 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 know you you had this you know uh, baptism of fire you know in, in terms of a thinking on your feet filmmaker. Oh, well, for sure. yeah. There's also for still sure. the as Jeff said the the Soviet satellite problem was still very much there when we were when we were filming. Uh, the um, I when I went out for the first time to see the church where we uh, did all of our. Uh, those sequences was a real church that had been burned uh, by the Russians, had been burned to the ground, and was being used as a corn silo. So the crew went in there, they cleaned out the corn, and they rebuilt the church, the rest of it, the edifice, out of canvas and you know lumber they could steal and everything. And they did this spectacular job, and all those statues and everything they made themselves and every I mean it was just astonishing uh what they were able to accomplish and I went out there one night to see it all and the workmen were there uh and they were using hatchets and they had used lumber they had taken from old uh collapsed buildings and things I mean it was just amazing what they were but nobody had any shoes and they were living out there and like with campfires and things like that so I went into town and bought shoes for the construction crew that was out there by this lake built, rebuilding this church. And I gave the shoes to these guys, and, man, I got into trouble for that. <laughs> uh, I was called on the for? carpet. I was called on the carpet and told, you have created a very difficult situation for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I have. I mean, it really was like the, the KGB and I said, I have. And they said, yes, you do not understand. Now everyone who works for this company will expect footwear. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, yeah. I had not, and, and I'll never forget this. Jeff knows this phrase very well. 
you must check everything you do with a higher authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. always it, it, the it, higher the authority. Yeah, man, it was it was real serious. So I, I was yeah. like, okay, there, there you go. But but one of the things too. Now now you see, Jeff actually shot it at Castell. Castell was being built when we did my movie, so yeah, I was over at, at another studio. Sturbay, yeah, Sturbay. I was at Sturbay, yeah, yeah and at, at Pro TV, and oh. um, they were tearing the studio down. So that's how I came up with this ending of just blowing everything up because all those buildings were going to be demolished anyway. Oh yeah, that's perfect. That was perfect timing for you. Yeah. So I said, so that great. Yeah. I call it my two mules for Sister Sarah shot of the uh, balcony exploding with the dynamite. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that yeah. was real dynamite. <laughs> it was we just <laughs> we destroyed the place. Yeah. Wow. Was, and now, and now I have to go back and there. watch it. Now I got yeah. the history of it. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, the bulldozers were right to the side, along with the packs of uh, starving dogs and wild horses kept running through. Exactly. But but anyway, so shooting shooting movies over there through the '90s, let's say at least, uh, it was like making movies in the 1920s. You know, I mean, okay. I mean in, terms of, right. in terms of a Hollywood thing, in terms of special effects, in terms of of uh, the set building, everything. Uh, I mean, hey, like, oh, Nosferatu was a great film. So, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 exactly. It's, 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 it was just, I mean, I mean, if you were a uh, by the numbers Hollywood uh, production yeah, manager, yeah. you'd be horrified. Oh, but for if, sure. But if you were like a guy in love with film and and could think on your feet, you know, I mean, you could make it work. You know. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the one thing that's great degree. about that's the only thing that's great about the horror industry is I feel like even the projects that I've recently been working on and. Um, is that that's how we are. It's kind of just like, uh, well, this didn't work today, but we have this. Let's go with that, you know? And sometimes it no, ends and up No, and that's what, going yeah, that's what low-budget yeah. low filmmaking in any, on any continent, uh, that, that's exactly what yeah. it's about. I mean, it's about problem-solving, and we have, we have this much amount of things to work with. How do we get the most effect out of it, you know? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, that, and that's, a, and, and, you know, and, and, if if you're the if you're a dilettante, uh, you won't last uh, a week, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, when, when we did our my first shot in Lurking Fear was uh, John Finch uh, and uh, Joe Levengood playing his gangster assistant uh, pulling up in this car, and we uh-huh. had the crane out and so I do it, and I turned to my ID and said, you know. I, I, this is great. I feel like I'm working for Harry Allen Towers. He had absolutely no idea what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> he was getting a big kick out of it, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm just going to go and do what I think I need to do. <laughs> yes. So, only I didn't have Fu Manchu running around in my thing, which would added immeasurably to it. Yeah, the Her- Herbert Lawn wasn't in your movie. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. You knew, it, exactly. you knew it wasn't a Helen Towers. Um, so, Jeff, uh, before the show started, we mentioned, uh, or, you know, I mentioned to you that um, about, uh, was it, uh, I guess, the boy who, with the x ray eyes or whatever. Uh, well, no, title, that, that, that's what it was, yeah, that's what what it was supposed to be called. Yes, Extreme Team, which, right. which I had nothing to do with that with the retitling, and I don't know who who ended up retitling it. But what, the weird thing about that movie was we were just starting post uh, production on it, and a little you know we were in into post, and and I called over to Kusher Lock for some, some reason, and um, Dana Scanlon was the executive over there, and and 
and the sisters are not exactly a confidence builder. Uh, I call, and it's like, oh, the number you want has been disconnected. <laughs> like, what? I mean, imagine calling 20th Century Fox, and, they, oh, the number's disconnected. And so they, they ended up starting, they, they ended up moving out of their place very quickly and uh, yeah. and filed for bankruptcy. Uh, just, just seemed like it all it all happened like in in a day. I'm sure it was longer oh, than that. But wow. so 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 it, that, that movie was fraught with uh, issues. But um, but again, that's kind of a, that's a if you only knew kind of movie because right. there was there was almost no budget for that movie, and uh, we tried to do these bigger things and. It was. Uh, got, I, I mean, got, again, I'm proud. I, I am proud of what we got on screen. That's, yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't mean anything to the viewer necessarily. It just means right. yeah. if you only knew what we went through there to make. Yeah. Well, um, so, and, and that's with the. Uh, well, you got to work with Dennis Haskins, who is like yes, one yeah, of Dennis, my favorites. Dennis Haskins. Um, uh, here's the here's the thing about Dennis Haskins, and Courtney will understand what I'm what I'm about to say. Uh, Almost any actor of any of any kind of uh, stature or that's had a somewhat of a career that you meet, you will invariably hear a story of how big they are in a certain country. Well, you know, I'm a really I'm I'm, I'm big in Malaysia, uh, or I'm big in whatever, and I always laughed about it, you know, kind of because uh, uh, I go, oh, that can't be really true. In in this case, it was true. Dennis didn't know it. But uh, hey, uh, but uh, Saved by the Bell was a, an incredibly popular show in Romania for many years. <laughs> um, oh, wow. e- even during even during you know the, like their revolution was in uh, December of '89, and yeah. so this was even even before I mean, they they aired it even before the revolution, and it aired it all through the '90s, and we shot in 1999. Dennis Haskins, from the moment he touched down in Romania, was mobbed. It was like the Beatles. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Everywhere <laughs> he went. So he was That's in so heaven. Great. He was in absolute heaven. He became the mayor of Bucharest uh, oh during God. the making of that movie. And he, he met <laughs> women there, and he, he was going you know, to almost marry one. And it was, it was just, it was a, it was a, oh, yeah, oh, it was amazing. It's the principle of my time. Mobs, mobs. I'm not kidding. I witnessed it. So whenever an actor says to me, I'm big in whatever country, I believe it now. Because if you, know, you would never have believed if Dennis Haskins comes to you and says, oh, I'm big in Romania, you would go, oh, that's impossible. But he he truly wow. was, and uh, wow. and so 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 that that movie in particular for him is burned in his he will be on his deathbed talking about that movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, we are almost out of time. We got about five minutes left, so I just no! want you. No, I know we still want to continue going, don't we, Laura? Oh, uh, thank you. Um, what, and you yeah, haven't no, even asked I, I, Courtney Joyner. You haven't even asked Courtney Joyner about Gypsy Angels. Oh, good uh, lord! <laughs> Do you know that uh, thing like just got released? I do not know. The only reason I said that one is I couldn't think of the name of the Dillis Hart one. Uh, <laughs> yes, that one that just got uh, released, and uh, yeah. So. Oh. 
uh, series of <laughs> anecdotes and interviews and and everything you could even imagine. He has done so much great work on all. Oh gosh, and, and, and he's he's and he's he's probably the repository now of of Empire Ephemera. He's got more because everybody's just donated stuff to him that that worked on the movies. He's got he's got yeah. more stuff scripts and this and that. I mean, he's got probably just an amazing clearinghouse of of, of 80s uh, material. And from, we, from we just Mother got Mother. and he just got nominated for Rondo, and unfortunately, I, I'm pleased Sam in it for the uh, documentary uh, for the Arrow release of the Thing. Exactly. Oh, right, right, right. oh, nice. Yeah. It is uh, literally about to kick us off, so I just want to say thank you so much, guys. Okay, well, hey, well thank, thank you, on. and thank, thank you for, for any and all interest in, in anything we've done. That, that's, it's, it's gratifying yeah. after all these years that people still want to know about it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Thank, yeah, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, guys. guys. And have okay, a wonderful thank you, guys. Have a wonderful okay. night, guys. Uh, you too. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.